Welcome to Safety Talk. Personal safety expert Pete Canavan shares his insights and interviews experts who provide simple and effective tips, techniques, and technologies to keep you safe and secure both online and off. Here's Pete. Hello and welcome to Safety Talk. I am your host and personal safety expert Pete Canavan. I bring over 25 years of personal safety and security experience to my role as the host of this show. As a cybersecurity consultant and martial arts master, I educate, teach, and train others through speaking, consulting, workshops, online courses, as well as self-defense classes, and we do that for corporations, colleges, and conferences. You can always learn more at my personal website, PeteCanavan.com. Safety Talk you know, we discuss and bring attention to a wide range of personal safety and security solutions that are available to both businesses and individuals and cover the digital world and the physical world. So we've got another valuable and informative episode for you guys today. So thanks for listening. Today's guest is someone with valuable insights into how to talk to our kids about technology and social media and the various digital devices that our children just can't live without, right? Uh, she's the mother of three school-age children, uh, 11, 13, and 15. And so decisions around technology, you know, use is something that she's dealing with every day. And I can relate to that because I've got three boys that are just a little bit older than that, 15, 18, and 20, and they just can't live without their smartphones and their gaming devices. You know, that's just the generation we live in today. Now, our guest believes that educating kids and openly discussing the good and the risks associated with digital devices and the internet is necessary because that has, you know, the purpose of building resilience, which is needed today. You know, everybody's out there posting a lot of things. It's easy to, you know, be offended or have your feathers ruffled by somebody posting something out there. And so, you know, I 100% agree with that, that we've got to educate our kids. We've got to discuss with them both the good and the bad that technology can bring to them. So our guest is a digital family expert at Custodio, which is a global leader in digital safety and well-being for kids and families. And, you know, as you know, as parents who have to navigate raising children in our digital age, it really becomes increasingly more difficult to censor and monitor our kids' online activity. You know, we can't be there all the time. We can't be with them every minute that they're, they're doing stuff online. So get ready to learn some tips and some tricks that parents can use when approaching that digital wellness with their children and how to also create a healthy and a trustworthy relationship with kids about the importance of their online activity and digital habits. And so it's my pleasure to welcome digital family expert, Teresa DeSuyo from Custodio to Safety Talk. Welcome, Teresa. Thanks for being on. Thank you, Pete, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So, you know, it's, it's a great thing that what Custodio is doing and that what you're doing to help parents raise children in this digital world because it is consuming our children's and our, you know, lives to a large extent now, right? So navigating this potentially tricky and, you know, sometimes dangerous landscape is it's vitally important if we're to keep our kids safe from harm because we see online threats can turn into offline threats. You know, you have cyber stalking can turn into regular stalking. You have other things that like cyberbullying, which can start online and it can lead to offline bullying. And so these, these things are related and sometimes, you know, a problem can begin in an online environment and then transition to offline or vice versa. So 
it's very important that we, we have our children and our kids understand what those threats look like. And of course, you know, as you know, with teenagers, right, it can be tough dealing with teenagers that, quote, know everything, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's uh, very tricky in today's world because we're constantly connected. Um, our own children are trying to keep compete for our attention. Uh, they see what we do um, in this ever-connected world that we're using technology for work, for a home, being productive, or, and we try to express to our children that um, we're using it for work, but those excuses can only go so far and they model what they see. Uh, they see us online and not necessarily consider what might be dangerous or not because if their parents are online, why shouldn't they be online? So what we do um, can, is certainly mirrored by them. So we have to be extremely aware of what's called technoference. Uh, this is a reality that we live in, and that means technology is competing, or children are competing with technology um, to gain our attention. Um, sure. So while so we're- pulled up the website here. Oh, yeah. So uh, people that are, are listening, uh, you know, have a chance they can they can pull that up. We'll have the the site in the notes, but it's uh, it's uh, custodio with a very interesting spelling q u s t o d i o dot com. So they can check that out because it has uh, some information and some resources that parents can use. Because you know, it's all about how do we keep our kids safe. And as parents that are seeing our children go, you know, really almost be raised. Uh, to a certain extent, by technology and and the interactivity that they have with their friends and their their peers, is is good and it's bad, right? Because they they learn a lot, they see a lot, they interact a lot, but yet the information can really move at a very very rapid pace, and they sometimes don't understand the ramifications of some of the things that they do, some of the things they say, some of the things that that they post, right? I mean. That's, that's the whole kind of umbrella of digital wellness, correct? That's right. So they're not really aware of everything that do. In terms of digital wellness, what it really means is developing healthy habits with technology. It's understanding how much time we spend and how that time is spent online. And there are three main things that uh, parents, uh, adults in a child's life should be aware of. It's, first of all, acknowledging and being aware of how much time one spends online. Your self-awareness is key, and being able to transmit that to children makes that a more credible discussion with them. The second would be to be able to distinguish between active use and sedentary or passive use of technology. Um, am I simply there because um, I'm feeling idle time, or do I actually need to be, be there? And the last would be appreciating the balance between online life and real life. So in terms of digital wellness, it's important for adults to uh, behave in that way so that children can then um, uh, practice the same um, habits as their parents do. Um, and you mentioned, you know, what we do online, um, what we post. Um, you might be referring to what we call a digital footprint or the identity or my profile that I'm creating online for myself. Both adults and parents as they post um, and they share images of themselves online are really leaving a lasting image of themselves. Um, and children should be aware of what that means. Uh, before allowing kids to use technology, um, I would encourage that parents first show them examples of other kids that are online of the same age. Um, so why is it so important that they, they 
understand that because of the long-term ramifications? Because I think the term digital footprint is is very good because it describes just like, you know, you've got a footprint in the sand where you walk by and, you know, the footprints are still there, but when the ocean comes and, and washes it away, it's gone. But online, that footprint never goes away. It's there forever. So people can always go back and look for those footprints to see, you know, what it is that people do, you know, what are their habits, and these can all present risks to safety and security and, uh, you know, everything uh, at some point potentially in the future. No, precisely. I mean, when we, when children first get online, um, engage in social networks, which is really fun uh, and chats, connecting with people that they care about, get to meet new people, have this diverse type of conversation, but it's in that context of fun. Um, so there could be banter, um, different types of language, and that stays there. And to your point, that is a footprint that may, it, offline it could wash away, but online that stays there forever. So as they grow up and develop um, a sense of really what that means as they become mature and become more self-aware, they might realize, wow, what I put when I was 10 years old or 11 year years old builds my character, my profile that um, professionally might have an impact or when they're applying for schools and when colleges might um, do some searching about what this person is really about to have a more well-rounded image of this person that they may or may not accept into their college. So it's important to be um, aware and um, have their eyes open to that uh, potential of um, other people accessing the profiles down the line. Sure, because in, in, you know, People, the, the kids of today, even those in high school and college, don't, I think, think about how some of the things that they're posting and some of the things that they're saying could be uh, interpreted or misinterpreted by a potential employer or by someone that is considering maybe dating them or whatever it happens to be. And so the, the, these kind of breadcrumbs or these footprints that, that you leave in your, in your digital life, you know, throughout social media and anywhere else that you happen to be, you know, whether you're posting online or other places, uh, it builds that, that sort of picture of you and your beliefs and your uh, sort of feelings and your morals or lack of them. And so these are things that are all are important, but, you know, with little kids, if we start young, and that's what I, I really like what, what you're doing here with Custodio is, you're, you're starting this at a, at a very, you know, at a young age to get children to understand. So obviously it's difficult, you know, you are a parent of teenagers. I'm a parent of teenagers. It's difficult to parent in the digital age. Why is that, <laughs> would you say? Uh, well, um, so Pete, just, just a slight correction. I have a six-year-old, an 11-year-old, and a 13-year-old. So I have a teenager, okay. a preteen, and a little one, um, and having, and I have to educate all of them in different ways. Um, this makes my job a lot more interesting because a six-year-old is a digital native through and through. The mm -hmm. 13-year-old, what makes it slightly easier is that we've grown or evolved at a similar pace with technology. With teenagers, um, it is more challenging because their friends are there, and they come back home and say, well, Everybody has a phone. Everybody is online. Everybody has an account. That may or may not be true. That certainly comes from my 11-year-old much more uh, than it does come from my 13-year-old. Um, 
but the feeling or sense of not being including, being excluded, uh, being out of uh, the conversation impacts teenagers. If that, that impacted us when we were teenagers, imagine now with social media where um, information is just, it, it, the speed at which these messages reach kids and them being in the know is so important. That's just part of um, who teenagers are um, with or with technology and with technology that has become a lot more uh, important um, to be in the know. And at the it speed, is. It's, it's yeah. tough because the internet can be a dangerous place. And as parents, you know, we can't control everything. Uh, and that's not an environment like our home where we can control it. Like when the kids are growing up and, you know, we can make sure that there aren't any sharp corners and we can make sure that the cabinets are locked and they can't get into the chemicals or the alcohol or whatever it happens to be. So we have more of a controlled environment in our own homes, but out in the, the wild west of the internet, I guess you could say. And then of course you got the whole dark web aspect of it. Uh, it's difficult. I, I think for, for families to, to even, get a grip on the various threats that exist. And so it's something that's imperative. It's something that, that we do uh, to the best of our abilities. But what, what would you say are, are some things that maybe families can do to make the internet a safer place? Because as, a, as an IT guy myself, I know that I've been able to do certain things to restrict access at the router level. Well, not everybody may be savvy enough or, or technical enough to do that. So what are some things that you suggest that families do to try to make the internet a safer place for, for your children? Sure. The first is um, it's never too early to have a conversation with your children about being online. They will be online, whether that's at school, um, whether they see other kids on the school bus um, taking out their smartphone. So whether they have that access immediately or not, it's important to have that conversation with children about the power of the internet, uh, the good and the bad. Like you said before, it's good and bad. Um, the, but the first three things before you put a device in a child's hands are setting the ground rules. Um, talk to your kids about what it means to be online uh, before giving that access or device. Um, they need to know the rules of the road before driving. I would never give my kids the keys right. before they have a license or before they turn um, 16 uh, without a permit. I certainly wouldn't um, put my baby into the deep end alone. Um, and there's uh, that important role of the parent today to be a guide because that information online is so complex. Um, it can take different shapes and forms because of the people and entities, companies, organizations that are publishing images, videos, text, um, being resources um, that are credible or not. And that's in constant um, evolution and uh, production. Um, as we talk now, just within 60 seconds, there could be tens of thousands of new blog posts, um, uh, millions of uh, YouTube hours uh, uploaded uh, online. Um, so Right. And it becomes overwhelming because it's that's like, true. What, what do you do? So I uh, I know I try to encourage people to use parental controls whenever possible, especially when the kids are younger. Mm -hmm. um, I did that with my kids. They didn't like it. Um, <laughs> my wife sometimes thwarted my attempts because the kids would plead to work and I please play for another hour. You know, when I put the timer on that after so many hours, boom, you no more. You, you had your, your allotment for the day. 
But, you know, then they, they would, you know, oh, but you know, my friends are still on and now so-and-so just joined and now I can't talk to them. And, you know, it's like kids are the best persuaders. They're the greatest salesmen, right? We forget that. You know, people say, I can't sell. I'm not a salesman. Baloney. Every single kid is the best salesman in the world when they want something, right? Whether it's That's an ice right. cream cone or to stay up late or go see a movie or whatever happens to be, they will beg and plead and sell using every possible measure at their disposal and they get very, you know, good at it because they, that's what they're trying to do. Right. So they try to circumvent that. Now the, you know, so, I mean, putting those restrictions on is, is definitely a good step, whether you're, you're putting in certain keywords into a filter on the router, you can do that at the computer level too, where, you know, if a kid is just, you know, getting curious and they start searching for something, whatever it happens to be, uh, you want it to be blocked. You don't want them to get mm. access to certain information. Now, out of the home, when they're on their friend's Wi-Fi at their, at their buddy's house, uh, or when they are, you know, not, again, within the confines of the controlled environment that you can provide as a parent, uh, then it's a little more dicey because we don't know what they're exposed to. And of course, other kids' homes may not have those safeguards in place. And so, Gee, why do you always want to go to to you know little Mikey's house? <laughs> well, because he's got unrestricted internet. We can look up all kinds of stuff, right? I mean, who knows? So it's it's as parents, it's our responsibility to do whatever we can and to educate ourselves because it's tough to stay on top of technology. I mean, even me being an IT consultant, it's if I don't stay on top of it, I would be left behind quickly because the pace of technology just advances so rapidly. And it's, it's so important because the tech now is in these ha kids' hands from the time they can hold a phone, right? I mean, you see them at two, three, four years old. These kids know how to navigate videos. They know how to click on the next video. They know how to find things. It's amazing to me to see the age that these kids start. And I pulled up, for those that are, that are watching this on YouTube, uh, or if not, go to the website, but you have the breakdown here of the children and their, you know, digital journey, their, you know, the beginnings of their digital footprint online. And it's staggering when you look at some of these statistics, because according to what you've got listed here, which is uh, sourced by uh, Digital Day, 16% of kids three to four years of age have their own tablet. Three-year-olds, four-year-olds. I mean, most adults didn't get their own tablet till the last, you know, eight or 10 years ago, right? And then between five and 15, it skyrockets to almost half, 44% of these kids have their own tablet. And then, I mean, geez, eight to 11, a third of them have their own smartphone, you know, because it's like, oh, my, my friend at school has a smartphone. I want a smartphone. Why can't I have a smartphone? You know, it's almost like a status symbol, but you get, you're going to get left behind if you don't have it because they're all using Instagram and Snapchat and they're using all of these apps to stay in touch and it's mind-blowing. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And these stats are from 2016. They're updated uh, stats that uh, show that these uh, percentages have certainly grown. Um, Pete, I wanted to mention something uh, or tag on to what you said earlier, that it's hard to stay on top of where, you know, where our kids are, but that's precisely where we need to be. So you asked me earlier, how can families make the internet a safer place for their kids? Uh, the second thing I would say would be where your children are. Um, that awareness is so important because then you speak from a voice of authority, of knowing, rather than saying, um, well, you shouldn't be on that. And you have no reasoning behind that. But if you are where your children are, um, 
upload the app with them when you give them permission and it should be you giving permission rather than them simply downloading the app on their own um i realize there are different parenting styles out there um but personally i think a no is quite powerful because once you give a privilege to a child it's hard to take that away from them and again putting this ferrari of a phone in their hands who would want to take a far get a ferrari taken away from them um so um when i uh, allow one of my children to download another app my daughter who's 11 she's been asking me to get onto tiktok for a couple years Hmm. this year i said finally okay let's check it out but i'm going to create your account we're going to create a fake email address and let's see what happens over the next two weeks it was a private account um, I checked out what she was doing. We'd sit down together. And then, I don't know, after day three or four, a couple of people asked to follow her on a public account. I am, I'm sorry, in a private account. Sorry. Mm-hmm. And I asked her, do you know these people? No, I don't. Well, I don't feel very comfortable with this. If this is private, they shouldn't be able to see you. Right. And over those two weeks, different things happened that just didn't seem right. And so we took her off of it and she was sad but she understood it so in having that conversation first setting the ground rules and then being where they are that really gives you a stronger voice of um, reason and of um, authority that you know what you're talking about and um, doing it with the child I think is very smart yeah, most parents would be like totally. yeah okay we'll, we'll, we'll let you you know go on it and, uh, and maybe we'll take a look at it later and they're not you know maybe taking those few extra minutes over the course of, uh, of a few weeks or a couple of weeks or a few days or whatever it happens to be to see exactly how some of these, these apps and these media networks work because they are building profiles of you and selling that data to advertising. I mean, advertisers, and that's exactly what they're doing to try to, you know, get in front of whatever demographic the, uh, the advertisers are looking for. And, I mean, another stat that's on your website is is staggering to me because I knew it was high, but man, this is really high. And that is that uh, kids between the ages of five and seven years old are averaging four and a half hours a day in front of screens. And then it jumps, you know, up to, you know, the tweens, eight to 12 is up to six hours a day. And then teens, nine hours a day connected. You know, we wonder why these kids are walking around with all these kids have glasses. It's because, you know, they're, they're, they're on their phones like this all the time. The screen's here. They're not letting their eyes focus into the distance. And over a course of time, your eyes are going to get worse. Your, the muscles in your eyes are going to weaken. And they're no longer going to be able to focus. And the solution is, oh, I guess you need glasses. Well, you probably wouldn't have needed glasses. I'm not saying everybody because some of it is obviously, you know, because of genetics, et cetera. But, and I, this is a big but, I guarantee a lot of the kids that are wearing glasses, most of them have been on that phone for years stuck in the middle of their face and not letting their eyes refocus on distant objects. And I tell people all the time, you got to look up, even if you're just doing computer work, every 15 or 20 minutes, you need to look up and refocus your eyes on an object at least about 100 feet away. And that lets your eyes relax. And when your eyes relax, they can see further. So when they're looking close, the eye muscles all contract. They contract, they contract, they contract. If they never get a chance to relax, they're going to stay like that. And I mean, I'm no eye doctor, but I've done research on it. And guess what? I'm almost 50 years old. I've been doing IT and embedded computers since I've been a teenager because that's back when they kind of started. And knock on wood, I don't need glasses. Now, I'm not saying that it's all because I'm always looking up from technology, but 
I do what I can based on the knowledge that I've gained to try to keep myself healthy. And that's just one way that we can do it as people that spend a ton of time in front of screens, whether it's our computers or our tablets or our laptops or our phones, we've got to give our eyes a break, right? And it's just, it's just a health thing. Well, that's true. And um, there's that physical aspect, um, having your eyes fixated on one thing for nine hours a day. It's not good. Impact six hours a day and five, and yet five years old, it's five to seven, um, I have four and a half hours. It's, that's a lot of hours in the course of a day. Oh, yeah. Consider how many hours are in school, um, the time between trans- of transport to and from school, and then what do they do? They just connect. Um, aside from the physical Im- uh, impact on eyesight, there's also the impact on their awareness of what's around them and being connected with um, the world, um, seeing a tree in front of themselves or, or just realizing there's a person next to them, right. um, not bumping into um, a pole as they're walking. Um, it's that- and It happens. People are yeah. very disconnected. Yes. They're, they're focused on what's in front of them and not paying attention. And this gets into all kinds of safety issues that uh, I, I've, I've gone into quite a bit in the past and other, other shows, but it's so true because you've got to pay attention to what's around you for a lot of different reasons, right? Just like you said, just walking into something, but then God forbid there's a, there's a predator around. And so there are apps that, you know, parents need to know about. There are trends that parents need to know about. What are some of those things that, that you talk about uh, and that uh, Custodio is, you know, trying to build awareness for in terms of what, what trends and apps that are out there that parents really need to, to be aware of? Sure. We have um, over 2 million users, so we have insights into where children are spending most of their time. And as you might guess, uh, those are the big four, YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. Mm -hmm. There's a close fifth, which is Netflix, but these top four appear in all age groups. Um, And what are the characteristics of these different types of apps? Uh, First of all, um, it's a connectivity with other people. Uh, there are hashtags that are within uh, these um, apps. Uh, but the other thing is that these apps, I think you mentioned this earlier, they, they do learn your behavior. There are algorithms that um, follow what you're searching, what you've watched, what your tastes are, what uh, you're attracted to. And based on that, they are serving more of that information to you, more of that, uh, that content that makes it more addictive. So you just don't want to put that thing down and you just want more and more and more. And you all uh, got caught caught down the rabbit hole, right? You see an ad for a video and you go, oh, that looks interesting. You click on that and next thing there's another one and another one and another and you go, wait a minute, what happened to the last half hour? I got to get back to work, right? Yeah, Yeah, that's true. And on average on each of these, a child is spending at least an hour a day. Um, But that's, if we take an hour a day on each of these, is that four hours then just dedicated to what's addictive, um, what where, where social media is, where they're constantly in contact with people they, they may, may, know, may know or may not know. But going back to this trend around TikTok, for example, the clips are about 15 seconds each. Now, if we calculate what that is in the time spent on this specific app, that's on average, our users are spending an hour. That's 240 clips a day. So obviously that does contribute to what's addictive, 
to the desire for on-demand entertainment, um, difficulty to focus on anything because I want that to change every 15 seconds. And we wonder why kids have trouble focusing. Yes. And there's so much, you know, about, you know, with problems with attention deficit because the kids have no patience. They, they don't have the same levels of patience and that we had, you know, if they don't have, like you just said, that instant gratification, that next thing, that next new thing there. I see my kids, sometimes they're flying through stuff or they even have two screens going and I'm like, what are you doing? I'll watch your videos here while I'm playing this game. I'm like, ah, it makes your head hurt. But these kids are growing up with it. And who knows what that's doing in terms of their brain development, you know, with all of this time and these habits that a whole generation now has that are new that we didn't grow up with. And so it's going to be very interesting and it's also a little scary to see how this is going to be affecting them as they become adults and, you know, get into their 30s and their 40s. You know, what sort of ramifications are the habits that they formed as children with this sort of instant gratification need for new, new, new all the time? How is that going to affect them? And I, I don't see it going well. Well, I think uh, I don't have the research on it, but if this is an instant gratification generation and this is the content that they're watching and believing and it becomes uh, four hours a day of their time, how do they later on become analytical, judicious, um, questioning what they see, right. um, then their world becomes quite superficial and Not that's that's where I see big problem. Just exactly what you said. A lot of the things that you know you need, like you know, critical thinking. You when you're not used to sitting and thinking and analyzing and that sort of thing, it's going to be much more difficult to focus. You know, exactly. and, the, and the solution is not. Reflect. Yeah, it's not medic. You know, it's not medication. You know, it's meditation. Mm, <laughs> quite right. <laughs> So the um, some some very interesting statistics here, and a little bit scary too that uh, that uh, Custodio has put together. And we're, we're going to talk a little bit about more what the the company actually does and your solutions. But thirty four percent, you know, a third roughly of middle and high school students have experienced some sort of cyberbullying. You know, cyberbullying is a big thing. It's uh, it's a big problem, and it unfortunately can drive kids to do things that as parents, gives us nightmares, you know, whether it's suicide or just depression. And I shouldn't say just depression, but um, obviously it's better than the alternative of, of taking your own life. But, you know, we don't want anybody to become depressed. We don't anyone want to be, feel ridiculed or an outsider. These kids all want to feel as if they're part of something, that they're included, that they have friends and they are, you know, they want to be popular. And how do they do that? Well, maybe it's going to one of these other things, right? Like sexting. You know, they think, well, I'll be popular if I start sending, you know, uh, content that's uh, sexually explicit. And, you know, people think I'm cool because I'm doing that. So, you know, again, almost a third of kids are doing that. They're either sending them or they're receiving them. And then, of course, that can attract the cyber predators. You know, the people are out there lurking and, and they're, they're following people that they don't know, right? Like you just were talking about your daughter's account. People are, are asking the follower, she doesn't know who they are. You don't know who they are. They could be a predator. They could be a friend. But you have no idea. And that's the scariest thing with a lot of it because how are people measured today? Unfortunately, how many followers do you have? How many people are subscribing to you? Right. Well, if I've got 10,000 subscribers and you've got 300 subscribers, 
all of a sudden, oh, I must be more of the authority. I must be more popular because all of these people are following me. <laughs> you think you know those 10,000 yeah. people? No, you're probably lucky if you know 100 of them. But it doesn't matter. It's a numbers game. And so when you're accepting all of these requests from people that you don't know, just to inflate those numbers to make you feel better, to make you feel you know more popular than the next person, that becomes extremely dangerous because some of those people may not have your best interests at heart. And that's where we really have to worry as parents. That's right. So I mean, these likes and followers um, is a currency of your self-worth. And uh, well, well put. I love that. A currency yes. of your self-worth. Perfect. And on social media and teenagers admit them, admit this themselves. Uh, there's a New York Times column about um, it was a student, um, a student opinion section of New York Times. And uh, teenagers recognize that they're faking their lives putting the best foot forward, not putting themselves up there in the right clothes, and because of that pressure to get those likes and followers. Um, there's a lot of jealousy and competition, um, envy, that is, in the end, it becomes quite um, uh, counterproductive to eating into this more critical thinking generation, and it just becomes very, very superficial. The episode I did, uh, the, the last episode before this was all about deep fakes hmm. and about how it's becoming so easy using technology because the power of what we can hold in our hands today is amazing that you can download apps and you can basically touch up photos and you can change appearances and you can put people's faces on other bodies and you can do all kinds of things so that not only are you doing all of these things in the digital world, some of these things that you're looking at, or even you may be even the person doing it, are being faked. So maybe that really isn't, you know, what your body looks like, or maybe that isn't really what uh, the clothes that you're wearing, or maybe that isn't really where you went on vacation, right? I mean, all of these things now, you start to, to think to yourself, is that real? And that's, that's, you know, always it was, if you saw it, you believed it, because there it was. But now it's starting to get to the point, and I'm afraid it's going to get worse, where we're not going to be able to trust our eyes or our ears anymore. And so the technologies out there that are creating these sort of these deep fakes, uh, there's also technology that's being developed to try to, to spot them using combinations of biometrics, you know, matching a voice with a, a face, for example, where you've got that kind of, it's almost like a, it's like a two-factor biometric identity to know, hey, is this really the person that I'm seeing be, or not? So it's, it's, every time you turn around, there's something new. <laughs> no, that's true. And what it contributes to is that blurring of the lines between what's real and what's not real and the appreciation for what's offline and online. And that's what we stand for is really dividing your time between appreciating what's around you and um, making your time more productive, more meaningful by connecting with um, a real conversation and not just within a chat from a follower that you may not know that lives who knows where and they're following you because of that hashtag or that filter that you've put on your face where that's become acceptable in their own world to follow you. Um, and it's, so, it's, go ahead. I was going to say, so tell us a little bit more about um, Custodio and what are the solutions that they have and, uh, and kind of, I guess your role there. So what, what exactly is, is Custodio? Because we're talking about how there's a solution here that can assist parents 
you know, in keeping their children safe. Give our, uh, our listeners, our viewers, uh, sort of a high level, I guess, understanding of, of what it is and how it works. Sure. Um, you mentioned uh, parental controls earlier. So on a more conceptual side, it really is putting the ground under children's feet because there's so much content out there that you can drown in that. And what um, Custodio helps parents do is to parcel or dose the access to the content that's online um, as your child evolves, as your child becomes more resilient, more prepared uh, to interact and absorb the information they have online. So how does it work um, in a functional way? Um, this system allows you to filter content, monitor time, and also um, allocate time over the course of the day, over the course of a week. And in terms of content, you can filter by category. Um, you can, as a parent, also allocate time per app. And then at the end of a week or the end of the day, you get a daily report and you get visibility into the interaction um, that your child has had online. And this lends itself wow. to the conversations that you need to have with your children. So what were you doing on WhatsApp? Um, <laughs> have you made more friends on Instagram? So I see that you downloaded this new game. What do you think about it? Tell me why you're attracted to it. So um, this is an app that gets downloaded onto smartphones or tablets or anything that takes an app? That's right. So you can download the, the way that it works. You download this onto your desktop or a uh, smartphone or tablet, then you download the app onto the device that you want to protect, um, and then you can manage it remotely. So you don't have to go into the child's phone in order to configure or set the rules or limits. Um, or God forbid anything. they hand that over to you for two seconds. <laughs> yeah, well, that's all about conversations. Like, who's is, this phone is, you're borrowing this phone. This is my phone. Yeah. I'm letting you use it for what you need. Um, and again, it comes back to the conversation. It's not giving the privilege until or um, until it's discussed. If I asked for one of my kids' phones for a minute to look at something, you would think <laughs> I'm asking them to cut their arm off. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's like, well, why? Just give me the phone. I want to look at something. Whatever it happens to be. your car. <laughs> oh, they, yeah. They don't want to hear that. It's like, and again, it comes yeah. down to conversation. You have to build those yeah. ground rules in the beginning. And as they get older, they like to push back more. <laughs> yeah, you know, I have a, a hub where all the, um, the recharging happens. Everything has to go here. All the tablets have to go here. At nighttime, they go here. At mealtime, they go here. Oh, and beautiful. Nothing on the table because we need to talk to each other. No matter how painful or how banal <laughs> our conversations are, we're going to sit here for an hour with no technology at the table. Oh, you're my idol. <laughs> I don't, that's that's very difficult to do. So kudos to you, Teresa, for being oh, able to wow. do that. It has to happen. But you know what? But you did it the right way. You started when they were young. You established those ground rules. You let them know that this is how it's going to work. If you want this device, if you want to use it, these are the ground rules. And if you don't like them, fine. You don't have to have the device. Yeah, it's clearly talking about the need and the want. And if you're the last kid on earth that has this, well, I'm so sorry. You're going to have to suffer through that. But, uh, you know, that's the decision that we make in this family. So, you know, the, so you have the app here. And, and obviously, as parents, we're doing this, uh, as guardians, we're doing this to protect 
minors. We're doing it to protect the children. We're doing it to, you know, from themselves as much as from, you know, outsiders. But I can see some parents out there saying, I don't really know if I want to know what my kid's doing out there um, because it's going to upset me or I'm going to be surprised by that or I don't want to deal with it. So what would you say to those parents? Why should they be out there monitoring their devices and their social media? I mean, they're the, some of the obvious reasons, but what would you say to those parents? Well, what I would say is that uh, most of these parents would not do anything until it becomes a problem. So a solution like this helps you be proactive, preempt problems that could arise, and um, it allows a more progressive introduction to that content, whether it be good or bad. Mm -hmm. um, but you don't want to know, but why do you wait till it becomes a problem? I mean, I've talked to many parents and they'll say, I'm going to need that soon. Well, you need it as soon as a child is going to touch a device. Right. Um, because otherwise it becomes a problem. It becomes difficult to take that phone away from them. Um, and then you lose complete control and credibility in front of your kid's eyes because they know much more about technology than you do. However, if you have that conversation with them as soon as you can, before you put your credit card down to buy that device for Christmas, that shiny new um, Whatever it happens to be. <laughs> yeah, put a, a little digital certificate in there. Hey, this is your present. Now let's talk about what this means. Um, it's harder to parent today because the technology's everywhere. And like you said, they could be sitting next to a friend in their home where they have access, complete access to everything. But those rules are those rules and that's their culture. But when they come home, this is how it works. But at least it allows them to understand that there are limits for a reason, even if outside of their own home, they might be exposed to something else. Hopefully, they'll be a little, a lot more um, judicious, a lot more um, aware of, well, this might not be the best thing I'm seeing, but I'm seeing it, but at least I know that it's right or wrong. So from a technical standpoint, because, you know, mm -hmm. my, my IT wheels are spinning, yes. uh, does this app work within the home network, like the Wi-Fi network that you have to be connected to, or does it also work on the device independently, regardless of what network it's attached to or the cell network? So it works at multi-platform, multi-device, so it works... Um, so it doesn't matter if my kid's at my house, somebody else's house, the, the right. Wi-Fi at their work or their job or their school or anywhere... Mm -hmm it's going to behave according to the rules that I've set and how the device has been configured. That's right. Cause everything happens in the cloud. And Good. so once you access your dashboard, whether it be you download the app on your smartphone or on your desktop, you can access it anywhere and simply logging into the custodial portal. And then you get that visibility. Fantastic. Because, you know, I can see a lot of parents out there going, man, I wish I knew about this before I gave my kids their phone or their tablet or whatever mm -hmm. device they're using. Because it's something that it's our responsibility as parents. And I say this all the time. Our number one responsibility as parents is to keep our children safe from harm. Mm -hmm. Now, when they're born, it starts with, you know, watching everything that they pick up that they try to put in their mouth, Right. Or that they, you know, make sure that they're not falling down and hurting themselves or they're not gaining access to something that they shouldn't that can injure them. And I mean, that that continues for their whole life. And I don't care if your kid's, you know, five months old, five years old or 50 years old. As a parent, 
you're always looking out for the well-being and safety of your children, regardless of their age and what stage in life they are. I mean, I know that as a parent, I, no matter how old my kids get, I'm always going to be looking out for them and trying to keep them safe any way I can. And so having the right tools that make that job easier, especially in an environment where it's not as easily controlled, uh, is something that is a, a fantastic tool that uh, really is going to empower parents. So I'm assuming that this is also the sort of thing that could be used in a workplace environment as well, correct? Like you don't want your employees, you know, going on YouTube when they're in the office, or is that not really, it, it wouldn't really work that way? It could be used that way, um, for sure. But our main focus really is uh, parents educating their children. But yeah, this can be used in that way as well within the work environment. Okay. So parents obviously need to have that discussion or discussions with their children about the dangers that exist online. How, how can parents speak to their kids about that? Hmm. Yeah, that's a, a good question about how they can speak to them. Um, without being but, overbearing, without being in their face, you know what I mean? Because it's hard to do, and especially with you know teenagers who, of course, think they know it all, <laughs> right? Yeah, and um, the first thing is, um, so again, it comes back to before they get it. Um, and if they have it already, it's having a discussion, like, why do you want to get online? Why is it so important to you? What do you think you'll be doing on there? What do you think you'll be able to gain from being online? Um, asking them what they value out of it. I think that that could be an, an extremely enriching conversation that could then uh, develop in a natural way. Asking it from their perspective first and then turning around to understand um, how that could be productive, how that could be beneficial what potential dangers or risks they might come across. Uh, but gathering that information from the child themselves then gives it a more natural feeling. Um, that's Let's just kind of guide that conversation based on their responses and what they're, mm -hmm. they're looking to get out of it. I, that's, that's very good. Yeah, now, I think it makes, it makes it more powerful with that conversation and easier. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Instead of saying, okay, here's this device, but this is what you're going to do and this is what you're not going to do, immediately that's the wrong way to approach it because then, you know, regardless of the age, the kid's going to feel like they have no input, they're not valuable, you don't care. They're right? going to shut off. These, they're going to shut down. Right, they <laughs> shut down. Exactly. Yeah. That's kind of where I was going. They're going to shut down. <laughs> and then that conversation is not going to take place because anytime you try to bring it up, they're just they're not, they're not going to want to hear it. And so asking them, showing a genuine interest, letting them know you're genuinely concerned and letting them know, look, this isn't something that you can just blow off. This is not something you can't say, oh, nobody's going to stalk me. Nobody's going to bully me. Nobody's going to. No, you can't think that way because if there's anything that we've learned from any sort of, you know, event or any sort of problem where somebody has become a victim, it's that nobody ever thought it was going to happen to them. But yet it did. And so you don't want to have that 2020 hindsight and say, yeah, if I, if I, you know, had done this or what would have happened, you know, if I did things a little differently, you want to be proactive. And so that you understand what those risks are, what the ramifications are of having a problem so that you don't have to have it. And that's, uh, that's tough, especially when, you know, you start thinking about 
the more dangerous, you know, threats out there, you know, like, like trafficking, you know, look at human trafficking and, and child predators, you know, how that's very difficult to, to have that conversation because, you know, that is every parent's worst nightmare to have your kid, you know, kidnapped, you know? Yeah. And so is there any real way that, that you guys recommend, you know, how to empower children to identify predators, which isn't easy because you got a lot of these, you know, adults that are creating fake profiles of children to lure them in. Right. So um, that child grooming happens uh, where these people fake that they're a friend. Uh, they try to establish emotional connection and um, they'll ask certain things. So things uh, to alert your children about. Well, first of all, um, understand which apps they're using. So Custodio does allow for that. You can see what where they're spending their time um, and understanding that, oh, well, these are the apps where there's this potential risk. And if you see that they're spending a lot of time on these specific apps while um, alerting them to, people can connect with you. And there may be people that seem very friendly and you have to be a little vigilant. Um, the first thing they do, well, not first, but a series of things that they do would be um, to sound as nice as possible. Mm -hmm. They want to have conversations in private versus posting on your wall. Uh, they'll ask for personal information, like um, what they look like, describe what they're wearing. It's pretty awful, but these are the realities. Mm -hmm. They ask things like where they live, where they go to school. Um, they might um, yeah, probing questions. Know, that's right. They might already know things about them because of the hashtags. Hashtags are like um, having a GPS on yourself. Um, this is what um, they do. They look for hashtags that are um, associated with children, hmm. um, what's trending for them. Um, and then they'll start to also, I'll ask ask a lot of questions around the information that they've already um, gathered about you. Um, they'll also always agree with you and they can follow you or that terrible world of, uh, word of stalking you online. Um, so these are the things that we can talk to our children about. I think that it's extremely important not to scare children, but rather if you feel strange, if somebody's asking too many questions about you, then let me know. What's important is have that um, communication channel all the time. Just um, and and going back to what you said, um, how do you have those uncomfortable conversations? First, it's knowing how these online predators use these apps. Being aware, searching around on Instagram, searching around for hashtags, and um, speak again from that voice of knowledge. You know, I saw that this ha things happen. Um, these things happen. Uh, were you aware of that? If they say yes, then you talk about it. If they say no, well, I'm going to show you. Mm -hmm. So it's starting by being aware, knowing what happens, and then, then having that discussion about how strangers try to be your friend way too soon. <laughs> right. Well, and, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of people really didn't think about what you were just talking about, where they're using, for example, trends in popular hashtags that, you know, a certain segment of, of the users is, is, you know, making popular, uh, whatever that happens to be, whether it's a movie or it's something that they're talking about. Uh, and so these, you know, 
the predators, they, they watch for that sort of thing. And then they start to search and they, they look and they see what other, you know, what types of people are using these hashtags and who might be someone they're interested in, you know, in stalking or kidnapping or, you know, abducting. And it's just, as I said before, it's a parent's worst nightmare. And so to the parents out there that are saying, well, you know, the the chances of it happening are slim or, you know, I don't know if that's really necessary. I'm going to tell you right now, what's the alternative, right? What happens if you don't have that discussion with them? What happens if you don't bring their awareness to this sort of a problem? And then something happens and something happens really bad and, you know, fill in the sort of whatever image you conjure up in your head when I say really bad. But the bottom line is that is not something that any parent ever wants to experience. It's your worst nightmare to have, you know, something happen to a child uh, because somebody decided they wanted to target them for whatever reason, because the child wasn't careful. They didn't understand. They weren't educated. And again, so much of this comes back to the education standpoint and making them aware of the problems that exist and and getting them not to just you know kind of poo-poo it and be like oh yeah yeah it's not going to happen to me because that happens a lot you know the kids they don't they think i mean all kids i think pretty much think they're invincible especially teenagers right i mean i was there you were there when you're a teenager you think you know everything and you're invincible and you can do anything you want and that can be very dangerous uh if you're not careful and so that's, that's right. uh, I'm sorry, go on. No, no, no. But uh, Pete, consider this. Would you allow your child to walk out in the street not knowing where they're going? Exactly. So we think about the physical world and what potential dangers they might find walking down the wrong street. Online, it's exactly the same and it's exponential uh, because of these channels uh, giving us the possibilities of getting a message out there so quickly and people then finding that and then um, tracing it back to you. We wouldn't let our children walk outside on the street at 10 at night if they're seven years old. Right. But yet we know you're right. You're basically letting them do the same thing, but in a digital sense where there's a heck of a lot more streets and a lot of them are really dark. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Quite so. So, um, well, we're, we're blew through our hour here, Teresa. I really appreciate it. If uh, if our listeners are interested in learning more about you or Custodio, the, uh, the website I gave out earlier, just custodio.com, but spelled Q-U-S-T-O-D-I-O.com, uh, which is good information there, explains how things work, and I think it's really going to open up uh, the eyes of, of you know parents and guardians looking to, to get a handle on the, the time and the technology that the kids are using. Um, what about uh, social media? How, could, how else can they find you? Just search the company name? or uh, We're on Instagram um, and on Facebook. We're also on Twitter. Just looking for Twitter, Custodio, Instagram, Custodio, and Facebook, Custodia, and you'll find us online. So just search for the company and find you to follow you. And uh, I'm sure you guys share a lot of great information because there's lots of good info and stats on the site. Uh, and it's stuff that parents need to be aware of because the numbers are staggering in terms of how much time our children are spending in front of big screens and small screens. And uh, it's important that we be responsible parents as best as we can be to keep them safe, to keep them to secure and to, and to do um, and to do right by them. So uh, do you have any last thoughts, Teresa, before I let you go here tonight? Yeah, I just want to mention that we are official supporters of Safer Internet Day, which takes place on February 11th. 
And this is an initiative that's global to raise this awareness of um, emerging online issues. And uh, we are supporting it by attending the event. We're also getting it out on social media. And um, we'd like to offer your listeners um, a discount if awesome. they sign up between yeah, February 11th and March 15th. They can use the code SPEAKUP15 and they get that 15% off off any one of our premium plans. Fantastic. Really appreciate that. And uh, those listening, you want to take advantage of that. Obviously, uh, saving money is always a good thing. Uh, so really appreciate that. And uh, for any of our listeners that are interested in listening to this or our past episodes, uh, you can always visit safetytalkpodcast.com or safetytalkvideos.com, which will take you right to our YouTube channel. And so, again, thank you so much, uh, Teresa, for being on Safety Talk. Thanks for our listeners for tuning in. And as always, stay safe. Thanks for tuning in to Safety Talk. You can listen to past episodes and get the latest safety news at our website, safetytalkpodcast.com. Be sure to visit our other websites for free safety checklists and infographics. You can also sign up for free online self-defense training, learn about college campus safety, and find out more about Pete and how he can help educate your school or business through his speaking, workshops, seminars, and consulting. Subscribe to the Safety Talk podcast and never miss out on any new safety information. Until next time, stay safe.